We ended up getting about 2,000 MRR after that. And, you know, I was young and I thought I had made it. So not too long after that, I quit my job. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bikes, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. I'm your host, James McGinvan, and I'm trying to make my own indie business work as a podcast producer and founder of a handmade leather wallet business. Today, I'm joined by Jeffrey Bunn, who is the co-founder of Clearful, a digital journaling app he built with his wife, Maria. Previously, they co-founded MeLime, a meal planning app which grew to a whopping 65k MRR before they exited in 2018. In this episode, we cover the story of founding both apps, how they utilise the app stores for growth, and why they started the B2C app in a crowded market. Jeffrey was actually introduced to me by my long-term sponsor, Email Octopus, and boy, am I glad they did. This is a great story. But let me tell you about Email Octopus before we get into the episode. They are an email platform focused on affordability with a very generous free plan and ease of use without all of those bloated features that some email apps have. So you can focus on shipping and growing your audience, which regular listeners will know is essential for growth in the early days. So to get started with an email platform that gets out of the way, you can contact up to 2,500 people for free. Head to Email Octopus com or hit the link in the show notes now jeffrey and i chat for an hour so i've uploaded the extended version of this chat where we talk more about founding multiple companies with his wife why he wished he took more time off after his exit and we dive into the specifics of how to grow an app business you can access this chat on the indie bytes membership for 60 dollars a year head to indiebytes.com slash membership let's get into this chat jeffrey welcome to the pod how are you doing thanks for having me james i'm doing well now, I have the pleasure of being your first ever podcast, which means we can tell the whole story, what you've been up to. And quite frankly, I don't know how this story hasn't been covered because you've bootstrapped a company to a great MRR number and then exited and then started something else. You've also gone from non-technical to technical. How do people not know you? Now, you started MeLime in... 2013 so 10 years ago and you did it with your wife maria where does maria come into this but maria and i were dating only for i think nine or ten months when we decided to start a business together so that's a huge decision was she your wife by then or were you just dating no no Uh, so we've been together about 12 years now and she's only been my wife for about four months so Oh, wow. So we were together for a long time before uh, doing that next step. And what were your goals with MeLime? And did you leave your job to do this? Or was it just going to be a nice side side project for you? Again, the theme would be not a whole lot of thought about all these (laughs) things at the time. But I also remember when Marie and I discussed the idea. And we were just talking about the problem of like cooking simple, healthy meals really hard and especially for like for one or two people at the time both of us were completely non-technical the first product was a wordpress site and uh, we would cook the meals we wouldn't even photograph them and we would send them once a week as pdfs to our customers along with a grocery list so super bare bones and the thing that really i guess was a catalyst for things to come is we were trying to market, you know, we had one or two customers, really small. And I wrote a guest post on Lifehacker that ended up doing spectacularly well. We gave away three months of MeLime for free to anybody that signed up. Uh, We had 4,000 people sign up for this extended free trial. So at the end of it, we gave like a big discount. We tried to convert these people and we ended up getting about 2,000 MRR after that. And 
you know, I was young and I thought I had made it. So not too long after that, I quit my job. That's crazy. You quit your job not long after 2K. Yeah. Um, I still worked as a contractor for a while. I had about 10K in savings. I moved into Maria's parents' basement <laughs> to save on rent. So that was a whole experience in itself. But then we just grinded it out and tried to grow it unsuccessfully for a long time. But we, we tried a lot. Uh, and then eventually it started to work. What were you thinking at this point? Was this going to be something that you could turn into a big business? Did you want to raise and go down that route? Or was it, hold on, we're onto something here. We can build as a nice lifestyle business for ourselves. I think it was more the latter. You know, we had this like 2K MRR. We did grow it a little bit over the years, but mostly we kept our burn extraordinarily low. You know, it, it wasn't the most fun time, but uh, we were alive. That's interesting that you say it wasn't as fun. I feel like <laughs> starting a company, because of the extra risk that you're taking on, you should do everything you can to try and make it fun and to give you the freedom that you want or desire. And I think early, in the early days, you get a lot more freedom from just having a regular job than you do from starting a company, especially bootstrapping a company. Were you just happy going along with this not being fun or was that like a real challenge for you where you had times where you thought, uh, I'm not sure we can do this, I'm not sure this is viable? I had a lot of those thoughts. I'm sure we'll talk about Clearful and journaling later, but I was journaling at the time. So looking back on those entries now, <laughs> like some of them are, are literally titled depression, but you know, that's not to say like we had a lot of good times and every time we tried a new launch or, or a new marketing campaign or a new feature, it was always exciting. And again, I'm sure we'll talk about like building as a couple or even yeah. just as a co-founder. But if you have somebody like when you're low, you know, they're high and you can kind of even each other out. Like that is so helpful. The bad times are when you're both low, but for us at least, those don't tend to last very long. And I've read somewhere that you had a third co-founder. Is that right? And where did that come come in? So he came on later. Marie and I started it and ran it for two or three years. And we just heard a ton of feedback, unsurprisingly from our customers that they wanted customization. So. We thought, okay, we need to build a tech product. He worked initially as a contractor, a little bit for equity and a little bit at a lower hourly rate. So that was great for us at the time. And we initially built a, a web app. And I think at the time we managed to grow our MRR to around 5K after we launched that. Mm. So it, it was working, but again, just not enough, especially with three people. We kind of made a... It felt at the time a very risky decision to pivot to mobile, kind of leave out the web app and mm -hmm. uh, drastically cut our prices. I think we cut our MRR by two thirds at a single moment because we just lowered it for everybody. And then we launched on iOS and later Android. And that's when the business really worked. It felt like we had the right, like a product channel fit at that point. Like this was the channel that people wanted to mm find the product you know you can't bring your laptop to the grocery store and check off your grocery list like there's a lot in the product that made sense for mobile looking back at the time we didn't know if it would work 
you know, people were asking for it and it ended up working. Yeah, I mean, a good indication is people asking for it. But that is a big decision. That is a big risk. But I guess you understood your market and what they were willing to pay for. And that led to a lot more growth for you. Is that about right? I think that's about right. But also, you you could probably make the the argument that not making a change like that was the bigger risk. Because we'd seen this trajectory for so long, things weren't necessarily working that well. Uh, we needed the company to do better. So, you know, we made a very big change. Talk growth to me, Jeffrey. You went through quite a large amount of growth over the next few years. Uh, you grew to 1.3 million users. Those are That's a huge number. And 13,000 paying customers to around 60, 65k MRR. What things did you do to grow this mobile app? I mean, honestly, looking back, we were in the right place at the right time. So we launched an iOS. We happened to get featured by Apple. In the first week, we had 30,000 users. But more importantly, we ranked for search terms. So ASO, apps for optimization, just like SEO on the web. You know, you try to rank for various terms. Some have more traffic, some are more difficult. And uh, just over the years, we just grew and we kind of solidified in one of those top positions. And by the end of it, I think we were getting about a thousand new organic users per platform per day. So we didn't really have to worry about acquisition. We focused a lot more, a little deeper in the funnel on activating those users, on retaining them, on, you know, getting revenue, that kind of thing. Uh, let's talk about the exit for you. You exited through private equity who bought your shares of the business. Yeah. Was this something that you were sort of actively pursuing or is it an opportunity that sort of fell into you, came your way? At the time, we were pursuing it. I mean, candidly, there were team dynamics issues over the years. Marie and I were kind of burned out. Uh, another part of it is I kind of felt a little bit powerless, you know, having a tech product and being completely non-technical, that, yeah. that always just bugged me. You know, I wanted to learn the tech, but there was always something else to do in the business. So for a lot of reasons, we decided to explore, you know, what it would look like if all of us sold, if one of us or two of us sold, that kind of thing. And at the end of the day, Maria and I ended up selling our shares and we moved on. After you exited, this did give you a bit of freedom and time afterwards. But Milime have been your life. How did you spend those next few months afterwards? We decided that we would we would have a couple of years where we wouldn't worry about earning and, and we yeah. could do other projects. Uh, I do wish that we had taken some time off. I jumped into learning programming almost right away and just beat my head against the desk every day for years and you know i wanted to build stuff and i wanted to feel in, in control of it both of us knew that we wanted to do it all over again you know and being able to build products would be critical to do that now i put a comment under here saying why why learn software engineering sounds unnecessary with the skill sets that you have in marketing customer support product but you said earlier that it was frustrating for you knowing that you couldn't fix yeah. some of the product things and i feel like that was a deep frustration for you and was something that you wanted to solve so how did you go about learning software engineering first thing i did i jumped into the courses you know like free code camp but then i started to try to build an app and i was like what the hell do i do like i remember i would spend days trying to get 
the linter to work, which is not even necessary to, to build an app. But really, I, I don't know. I, I think it was have a problem, Google it, try different things, problem solve, and now you're on to the next problem. And that really hasn't stopped for years. Um, so that, that was just it, you know, a lot of Googling, a lot of iteration, and eventually trying to build an app, I think was the best way to learn. And that's actually yeah. how Clearful came about. So Clearful, talk to me about it. Where did the idea come from? And how did you start building this? I had journaled for many years. And I thought, okay, I'll make a web app because that's easier than mobile in some sense. But then we stepped back and thought, you know what, maybe there's opportunity here. You know, we did have a ton of experience in the app stores. We did a lot of research, competitor research. We looked at the various journaling apps. I hadn't been happy with some apps for a while. And then we just dove in. It was actually a very similar route that we took with Milan. We had a web app. <laughs> you know, we created a mobile app and that's kind of where it, it took off and seems to be repeating itself. So what were you doing differently with a journaling app? There were a lot of apps that were very much just freeform writing, not much in terms of guidance. And on the other end of the spectrum, there were a lot of really specialized journaling apps that were either only guided or really restrictive <laughs> or really about a, a specific topic. So our idea was kind of marrying those concepts. Talk to me about some of the growth you've seen from Clearful. Has it been following a similar playbook to MeLime has in using the app store and then specifically growing through that. And also, how have the app store changed over this decade, really, since you <laughs> started MeLime? Can you sort of follow the same playbooks or I'm guessing it's changed a fair bit? So we thought we could follow the same playbook and the stores have changed dramatically. Keywords are much more competitive nowadays. There's way more apps the algorithms themselves have changed. Like recently, we just had an app of the day feature, which is a huge honor. I think we had a thousand extra signups that day. Whereas I know years ago, you'd get 50,000 signups or more. Mm. So like it has completely changed. Now it feels like what you have to do is drive your own traffic to the app stores, which will signal to the algorithm that your app is popular, which will boost you in search terms. And it's this virtuous cycle, but you need to own that acquisition piece yourself. And that was a bit of a rude awakening for us because we, you know, we thought we could follow that playbook and it, yeah. it really hasn't turned out that way. So it's been difficult. So uh, over two years, you've passed 100K revenue, but like that's not enough to really sustain two people do you still I'm, I'm guessing you still have runway in the bank do you know how far you're going to push that or if you think clearful can start to kick up where it's going to yeah. be able to provide both you a good living well that's the question and that's uh, what causes a lot of my low points but we're not burning anymore we still both believe in the vision and mission for clearful we do think it could be a really big business we both just have to get way more on marketing because a lot of this time we've been building a product to feature parity or, or close to it. And a lot of it is I'm a new developer. So I'm rewriting a lot of things that were just built so horribly. It's just yeah. awful. <laughs> so, so that's made us a little bit slower. I don't have you know a hard and fast answer as to what the next year or two will look like. 
in terms of finances, but you got to be optimistic. I end every episode on three recommendations, a book, a podcast, and Indie Hacker. No explanation required. What have you got for me? A book. It's a range yeah. by David Epstein. Podcasts. I listen to a ton of podcasts. Uh, if I had to choose one, I like conversations with Tyler. Indie Hackers. So there are a few. On Twitter, this guy I've seen recently, his name is Sebastian Roll. Uh, I have a friend, Brian Dubno. He built a workout app I use every day called Bolt. And one more, Maria Golikova, who happens to be my wife, who doesn't get nearly enough credit. And I think she's brilliant. And I think she should be out there more. Absolutely. Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming on this episode of Indie Bites. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bites with Jeffrey Bunn. If you enjoyed this and want to hear more, the full 55-minute conversation is available on the Indie Bites membership that you can get access to at IndieBytes.com slash membership. And with holiday season in full swing, this is probably your last chance you can get your hands on one of my handmade wallets for a loved one or for yourself. And again, thank you to my awesome sponsor, Email Octopus. That's all from me. See you next week.